You are an important piece of a much bigger picture, and we need to live in the tension of this reality. Now, I want to go back to that last thought. You are an important piece in a bigger picture. There, there is such an important lesson we need to look at more deeply in this regard. And this week, instead of looking at a large passage in Acts chapter 8, like we have in the first story of Philip and then the second story of Philip, I've taken us back to just one little phrase that is found in a few places that means so much. Last week, we saw that we, it is, it's all about so much more than just us, but it includes us and much of what we so easily lose sight of. This one phrase in Acts chapter 12 shows us the importance of our gospel being the gospel or the good news of the kingdom of God, not simply the gospel of Jesus Christ. Something much greater is achieved. Let's let the Olympics illustrate this for us, if we may. If I tell you that I won a gold medal, besides not believing me, so let's just get over that, let's say I was able to truthfully say, I have won a gold medal. In the context we're in of February 2014, what's happening in Sochi, Russia, you would understand what I'm saying, and you would be amazed. The medal is the goal. The medal is the prize. The gold medal is the pinnacle of world athletic competition. But this is only meaningful to you because you assume and you understand the context. This is the Olympics. This is competing against the best, athlete, best athletes on earth. This is a standard that has a unique place of importance in our world. So you'd be amazed. Now, if I qualified that and then told you that I won that gold medal in the X Games, <laughs> you would probably still be impressed. It depends upon your age as to whether you would even understand what that is. Um, next service, I expect them to understand that a little bit more. But there's another set of games that's come along called the X Games. It's still remarkable. Hmm. But it wouldn't be quite the same. As much as the X Games have gathered and garnered such a following around the world, actually, the same athletes who win the gold medal in the X Games and then win it in the Olympics, even themselves declare that this is something even more special. But if I told you I'd won in the X Games, well, it wouldn't quite be the Olympics, yet you would be impressed because that's a remarkable accomplishment. Then if I told you instead that my gold medal was actually a family competition that we invented among our siblings, that it takes place in my backyard, and that the competition, the competition is marshmallow mouth stuffing, you would not be impressed at all. In fact, you would be um, dismayed at my wasting your time and intentionally misleading you. So what's the point? The significance of what is achieved. Listen to me. The significance of what is achieved 
spiritually in our relationship with God has personal benefit because there is the receiving of something very, very great, like, humanly speaking, a gold medal. The significance of what is achieved spiritually in our relationship with God has merit for what is accomplished, recognizing a singular best. And the significance of what is achieved spiritually in our relationship with God has a depth of meaning for the context in which it is accomplished. It's accomplished on a global stage. Now let's look at this concept and its Christ connection. This one phrase, Acts chapter 12, verse, Acts chapter 8, verse 12. And in each of the other passages on the sheet of paper show us the importance of our gospel being the good news of the gospel of the the good news of the kingdom of God and not simply the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as you see in your uh, bulletin that the scripture passages that we read, they're carefully marked that way in bold and in underline. Philip presented this gospel and likely you read that passage and just brushed right over this phrase. When they heard the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. They were baptized. Jesus said, and he's talking about the fulfillment of God's plan, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached all around the world as a testament to all the nations, and then the end will come. He didn't say the gospel of himself. In Acts chapter 28, Paul is near the end of his ministry Arguably, the greatest apostle of the gospel of the kingdom of God. And from morning till evening, he declared the kingdom of God and tried to convince them about Jesus and from the law uh, and the prophets. And then the very last words of Luke in his book say that boldly without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I think that without unwrapping this a bit more, likely you're still thinking, so what? What does this mean? What does it matter? Is it just a matter of semantics? And it's not. I'm going to explain and dig into this, just the idea of this kingdom of God today a little, and then we're going to return again to it to see it even more richly next week. But three observations I want to make about the significance of the fact that we have received the good news of the kingdom of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, God's work is personal, not simply individual. The significance of what is achieved spiritually in our relationship with God has personal benefit because we are receiving something very, very great. This has to be a personal transaction between ourselves and the living God. In this sense, it is personal. This holds blessing for you untold, of course. This returns you to what God designed for you to enjoy at the beginning when he created everything. But it isn't just that. 
If there isn't a greater context, it is cheapened. Like my backyard mouth stuffing contest. If it's just about me, it is cheapened. With the greater context, something else happens too. It's not selfish. I have a little hint for you as you share the good news of the kingdom of God. Many people misunderstand your enthusiasm and excitement about what God has done for you as purely selfish because we make it simply about us. And the human heart aches for so much more than just us. This remains God's work. You're not brilliant because you found Jesus. You are blessed because God invited you into His rule and reign. The difference is significant. This is a kingdom, so it's much more than just about you, but it is about God's work for you and a lot of others in His kingdom. This is a kingdom, so this is big. So that what is received is truly great. And why am I so passionate about this? It may be one of the greatest dangers that we have in the United States of America. And I don't mean to overstate that. Few places in the world make a personal decision as individual as we do. Because we're, our little democratic experiment has been so personally successful. So we make it individual. Most people in this world make individual decisions in a context of the people they live with. Nowhere in the world are we so individual as here. Saturday, March 8th, as we deal with the, we offer you the Wiser to Learn seminar on the persecuted church, I encourage you to come because they have much to teach us about this particular issue. While we should pray for the persecuted, they are not to be pitied. We, they say, are to be pitied for our over-obsession with ourselves. Come, please. Second observation. What he does, he does for greater purposes than our individual benefit, and that leads to everyone's better interest, his especially. The significance of what is achieved spiritually in our relationship with God has merit for what is accomplished, recognition of the singular best. Now here, my analogy needs to be significantly tweaked. The medal, the salvation, was not accomplished by me or by us. 
He offers us the privileges of being champions, recipients of untold privilege. Relationship with Him, heavenly dwelling, freedom from sin, eternal exploration of God and His attributes as a member of His family. In this sense, we wear the medal as honored ones, but we all know that we did not earn the medal. He did. There is no one like Him, and the only rivals that He has are Satan and the rebellious heart of men. What he does, he does for greater purposes than our individual benefit, but that leads to everyone's best interest, his especially, and he gets singled out as supreme, as majestic, as glorious, as worthy of all honor, praise, and glory and all of eternity will not be sufficient time to say so. This is a kingdom, so it is mostly about him and his being recognized as king by all others. This is a kingdom. He is king, and he invites you into his reign as a child and a co-heir with him. Finally, we are purchased into God's reign as a part of his kingdom. We're not just individually saved from sin and hell and death. He redeemed you. He bought you with a price. You are his. You aren't saved as much as you belong to him. Oh, he saved me. He saved you. <laughs> But he didn't just save you from, he saved you to his possession. You are his. This is hopeful because there's all kinds of privilege, but it's deeply significant because you have a love obligation to one who bought you with a price. That price will never be forgotten, will always be celebrated, and you will always be in love debt to your God. The significance of what is achieved spiritually in our relationship with God has a depth of meaning for its, for its, um, for its context because it's accomplished on a global stage. There are other kingdoms in competition. The kingdom of darkness Satan's permitted reign and rule, a spiritual world of conflict that we actually live in, that we are so horribly oblivious to. And March 8th, another lesson we'll learn from the persecuted. But there's another kingdom, the personal kingdoms that we can create. Our rebellious choice, our will to do as we please, our Dismissal of God and His rule and reign for our own pursuits because we presumptuously believe that what I have is mine, that what I am is for me to determine, and that what I do is up to me. And in the purest sense, none of those things are true. What God has done on a cosmic scale scale, is establish His power over life and death, establish His worth over any kingdom, including your own, 
and purchased a place for any who want to live under his rule and reign, want to recognize his awesomeness and express that, and want to live out a love obligation to him for who he is, for what he has done, and for all that he deserves. That, my friends, is a kingdom. He's purchased us to enter into it, and we are privileged to honor him as our subjects. It's a kingdom, so we get to serve him. You see the significance of a gospel of the kingdom of God and not simply a personal Savior, Jesus Christ? There is no kingdom without the saving work of Jesus Christ. Did you read the beginning of our worship bulletin this morning? It's worth looking at. If we value the... If we... If all we value is the salvation gospel, we tend to miss the rest of Christ's message. Taken out of the context of the kingdom, the call to faith in Christ gets reduced to something less than what the New Testament teaches. So I've tried to show you this morning. The reverse is also true. If we value a kingdom gospel, at the expense of the liberating message of the cross and the empty tomb and a call to repentance, we miss the central tenet of kingdom life. Without faith in Jesus, there is no transferring of our lives into a new world of the kingdom. But once we have, we must recognize what we've entered. It's a kingdom in Christ Jesus. And this is really good news. This is promise. One of the reasons there's so much promise is because it's all about so much more than just you. And it includes you. You're not invited simply into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You have been purchased by God through Jesus Christ to enter into his rule and his reign, his kingdom, of which there will be no and now if it is any less than that these things are true you are alone in your own personal world you are left to have to rule and reign with no help from another and you exist to fulfill yourself you are the proud recipient of a self-invented award that only means anything to you. Congratulations. Who wants to live like that? Instead, we have the good news of the kingdom of God in Christ Jesus. Let's thank Him for that. And I want you to think about that this week. And next week, we're going to dig even deeper into what that means. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that we speak to you, our Heavenly Father,
through the accomplished work of your Son, Jesus Christ. Interpreted and made effective through our interceding, indwelling Holy Spirit. That what you have purchased for us and brought us into is so much more than just about us being saved from death and hell and our sin. But into a rule and reign that you long and will accomplish in the hearts of those willing to submit to you. We long for seeing this, your reign, conquer all others, including our own, that above all things, you would be praised. And it is in these things that we pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.